This is the Trivium Dad Podcast. My name is Nick, and welcome. Dearest listeners, I'm here to ask for your support, not your financial support. It would be great if you could donate. It would help support the Trivium Dad podcast and Upward Enrichment Service. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts, then leave a review because it will help other people find the show. And two, tell a friend about the show. Or better yet, tell a whole bunch of friends. Thank you. This program may contain strong languages and topics that might not be suitable for all listeners. This podcast is dedicated to the young men and women that are starting out their adult life and are facing challenges that they want to overcome in order to achieve their goals, whether it is financial, career, or the pursuit of happiness. This year, I'm going to turn 40 years old. I feel like an old man, and I have made many mistakes in my life. I haven't had a midlife crisis yet, but when I look in the mirror, I realize, you know, financially, I could have done a lot better. I could have saved up instead of financing a car or cars that were outside of my budget. I could have started investing that money in a Roth IRA or you know, pump up what's in my children's college fund. So it was kind of disappointing when you start to think, wow, I was so stupid and, you know, immature. You know, I just lacked the emotional intelligence. I didn't realize how my behavior when I was younger, because I wanted to be perceived as somebody that was smart, somebody that was successful. And the way I would behave I would, you know, act like an asshole. It affected people that were around me. You know, it's just a deep regret that I have that I could have been better. Uh, Situations that I were that I was facing, I didn't realize how trivial it was at the time. In screening for an audio clip for this podcast, I discovered a man by the name of Rudy Francisco. Rudy Francisco is an American poet and author. According to his bio on his website, and I'm quoting as an artist, Rudy Francisco is a person that, you know, he wants to socially critique. He has his introspection. He's honest and he has a sense of humor. He uses personal narratives to discuss the politics of race, class, gender and religion while simultaneously pinpointing and reinforcing the interconnected nature of human existence. Now, that's a mouthful, but this guy, when you hear the speech that I'm about to play, uh, he is, you know, phenomenal. Um, And I'm going to play that speech right now, and it's called Complainers. Following our true stories, May 26, 2003, Aaron Ralston was hiking. A boulder fell on his right hand. He waited four days. Then he amputated his own arm with a pocket knife. On New Year's Eve, a woman who was bungee jumping in Zimbabwe, the cord broke. She then fell into a river and had to swim back to land in crocodile-infested waters with a broken collarbone. 
Claire Champlin was smashed in the face by a five-pound watermelon being propelled by a slingshot. Matthew Brobus was hit by a javelin. David Striegel was punched in the mouth by a kangaroo. The most amazing part of these stories is when asked about the experience, they all smiled, shrugged, and said, I guess things could have been worse. So go ahead. Tell me that you're having a bad day. Tell me about the traffic. Tell me about your boss. Tell me about the job you've been trying to quit for the past four years. Tell me the morning is a townhouse burning to the ground. Tell me the snooze button is a fire extinguisher. Tell me the alarm clock stole the keys to your smile, drove it into 7 a.m. and the crash totaled your happiness. Tell me, tell me, tell me how blessed are we to have tragedy so small it can fit on the tips of our tongues. You see, when Evan, you see, when Evan lost his legs, he was speechless. When my cousin was assaulted, she didn't speak for 48 hours. When my uncle was murdered, we had to send out a search party to find my father's voice. Most people, most people, most people have no idea that tragedy and silence have the exact same address. When your day is a museum of disappointments hanging from events that were outside of your control. When you find yourself flailing in an ocean of why is this happening to me? When it feels like your guardian angel put in his two-week notice two months ago and just decided not to tell you. When it feels like God is a babysitter that's always on the phone. When you get punched in the esophagus by a fistful of life. Remember that every year two million people die of dehydration. So it doesn't matter if the glass is half full or half empty. There's water in the cup. Drink that shit and stop complaining. You see, muscle. Muscle is created by repeatedly lifting things that have been designed to weigh us down. So when your shoulders feel heavy, stand up straight, lift your chin, hell, call it exercise. Remember that life is a gym membership with a really complicated cancellation policy. Remember that you will survive. Remember things could be worse. Remember we are never, ever given anything that we can't handle. When the world crumbles around you, you have to look at the wreckage and then build a new one out of all the pieces that are still here. Remember you are still here, the human heart beats approximately 4,000 times per hour and each pulse, each throb each palpitation is a trophy engraved with the words, you are still alive you are still alive act like and this speech was delivered in 2014 I did the complete opposite of what Rudy was saying and you know I was complaining and everything that was happening was you know, trivial and retrospective, but, you know, I felt in 2001 that my life was in a state of utter confusion. It was tough. It was tough for me, you know, going to college and graduating. After graduation, I was unemployed, highly depressed because uh, my father died around that time, and I could not figure out how to start my life. It was just so much uh, happening all at the same time. Case of Murphy's Law. Being able to get a job really sucked because back then, you know, now you could just do everything online when it comes to applying. But back then you had to actually mail out your resume. So I would go to Staples, get the linen paper, which was expensive, print out my resume and mail it out. So you had to go buy stamps and you had to go to the post office. And I was making phone calls. I had this notebook. So I would always write down if I saw jobs in the newspaper, you know, if I found jobs online, I would always try to start my career, but I can never start my career. That's how I felt. And I, I did jobs. I was a security guard at the Holiday Inn working at a night shift or the graveyard shift. It was it was a good job because paying the bills, because when my father died in 2001, uh, all the financial, 
all the stuff to pay bills fell into my lap because my mom got so depressed. She was 55 years old at the time. She just quit her job. I didn't quite understood why she did that. I understood she loved my father, but to just quit your job and, you know, depend on a 20 year old to just take care of everything. That was insane. And I was working all kind of jobs, working for a temp agency, whatever I could just catch. My mom, she did have savings. So that was helping to supplement paying the bills, but it became, I had to grow up quick. I didn't get a chance to figure things out. And I worked that security job, but I hated it. Working the graveyard shift, I had to go walk around the whole hotel. They would give you a wand, so they made sure you was working. And you had to take that wand and scan these scanners. There was like about 30 scanners, so you would walk maybe a mile and a half every two hours or so. I guess it was to make sure you wasn't going to fall asleep because it was a pretty boring job. Uh, The night shift, there's not too many people around. There's no supervisors, but it took a toll on your body too because you're like a vampire. You come home, you're sleeping. Your sleep patterns is all messed up. But I did what I had to do, just like everybody else. You know, we I needed a paycheck and I was willing to do whatever I needed to do to get it. And then after two years, I just realized... I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore, but I I had to do it. And I started to look and I said, hmm, I need to see if I could get into a graduate program. I need I need a better degree um, to open up doors because the degree I had wasn't, you know, at the time doing anything. That's around the time when I believe 2001, that's when the World Trade Center, that's when You know, the terrorists took down those buildings and the economy was in disarray. The the country was mourning those 7,000 people that died. When it came to graduating college at that time, it was just tough for anybody looking for a job in New York. That's what made me started to look at graduate schools. I would go online, scour everything I could put my hands on when it came to uh, Indeed or career builders or whatever .net uh, website, and I discovered something called a counselor assistant program, and I applied to it. I probably applied to anything at that point, and I submitted an application, and I was able to get called in for an orientation, and during the orientation, the lead presenter said our names would be submitted on a list and sent to all the CUNY schools because this program was affiliated with CUNY. I was at my wit's end. I was, I mean, it was, it was December 2004 and I literally was in my room crying. Like I couldn't catch that break. And I prayed to God, I got down on my hands and knees and I prayed. I said, God, please give me an opportunity. If you give me an opportunity, I will never take it for granted. I will work as hard as possible. I was literally begging. I will do my absolute best. I promise you that. Just give me this opportunity, any opportunity. I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I'm wasting my life because I felt I was wasting my life. And I kid you not, the next day, 
Miss Cunis, I remember her name. She called me. And at that time, you didn't have to worry about spam calls like you do now. I picked up the phone, this nice lady. And she said, yes, we got your application for the counselor assistance program. And we want you to come in and interview. And I said, yes. When and where? I went in and I sat down with her and we just started to discuss. She started to discuss what she needed in the office. She was more of a liaison to the department head at the time. And it required somebody that knew how to use Microsoft Excel and put his stuff in a spreadsheet. And I said, yeah, I could do that. I know how to do that. I had no clue how to do that. But I knew I was going to learn. She introduced me to the director of the program. And that person's name was Dr. Lalanne. She said, hey, could you start at 12? It's 10 o'clock now. I said, yes, I could start right now. At that time, I didn't realize she was testing me. Because if I had told her no, I would have not been brought back into the program. I went to the library and I got all the Excel books. I checked them out. And I started reading every single one that weekend. And there was this this girl that worked in the SEEK program. and She was doing Excel. So every time I would make sure I look and see what she was doing. And that's when I learned how to sort, do filters, run formulas. I paid attention and I was just uh, soaking in everything I was seeing. Excel skills grew really quick because I knew it had to. I started working hard and the director noticed. I developed a scholarship program in which I did the research and I brought to the program 300 national scholarships that was documented in a spreadsheet that could be sorted. I helped three students get national scholarship, one to Tidenol and another, um, it was a national scholarship. And these were kids that needed the money. So I was pretty stoked. And she told the vice president, I got introduced to the vice president. We started liking each other. I was pretty much myself. Um, He saw my work at the time. In that CUNY school, the admissions department was going through a transition. So they brought in a new director of admissions and the directors of admissions, you know, I guess she connected with the SEEK director and they had a full-time position. And Dr. Lillian was like, I got this kid over here and he's great. You know, you should, you should give him a shot. One thing led to another and I became an admissions counselor. I count my blessings because that was just one thing led to another. It was just luck. And I was in the right place at the right time. I worked hard. I continued. I didn't want to break my promise. I didn't want to, you know, tell God, hey, I'm going to be lazy. Nah, I'm going to I'm going to work hard. I met probably 100 students that year and I worked to help them get into college. And these are kids that. You know, first generation, they don't got much money. They don't know the process. They don't have any mentors. I became their mentor. I told them what to do, not only because it was my job, but I was like, if you can't come here, I'm going to make sure I help you go somewhere else. Like, I want you to win. But it was, it was like, you know, you feel like there's no light at the end of the tunnel. And then one day, 
it just, you know, opportunity comes along and you got to jump at it because if you don't, somebody else will. So through adversity, you have to persevere and you have to have grit and you got to believe and have hope and just trust that everything will work out, be likable, be approachable, smile, show your skills, be confident in yourself. Realize that your arm was not stuck in a boulder and you weren't swimming in crocodile infested waters. Everything that you're complaining about is not that big of a deal. You're just making it a big deal. I want to share my story. Like, and then after I got that counselor position, I met uh, my wife, Jasmine. She was my girlfriend at the time. And we started to date. You know, we dated and, you know, we, she eventually, you know, we, we were expecting a child. And I was scared. Like, I'm 24 years old. You know, life is starting to shine on me a little bit uh, with the job. And now... I got I got a girlfriend that's expecting a baby and I'm like, damn, you know, I don't know what am I going to do? I'm scared and I don't have any money saved up. And how am I going to take care of my family? I was struggling to take care of my household and I was still, you know, my mom and I was still trying to figure that out. I started when I started as a missions counselor, I was making $17,000 at the time. So I wasn't making anything even in 2005. My wife and I, well, my girlfriend and I at the time, we applied for WIC, which is the Women, Infant, and Child Program, so that she could uh, receive health coverage so that she could see the doctor and get her prenatal vitamins. The one, you know, variable that we didn't think about as well was like, you know, I, my my father died. How was I going to take care of my mother? How was I going to take care of a child coming into this world? My wife and I, well, eventually I proposed to her and she became my wife. And I'm truly blessed that she said yes. And we got married, but then I still had to bear the financial burden of uh, working, you know, making sure that I could provide for everybody. I think during that time, what I didn't realize that uh, because I was naive was how was my wife and my mother going to coexist? Because how are we all going to live in the house, the same household? And this was really poor planning on my end. I was really, I should have done better when it came to looking for a house for me and my girlfriend. When we got married, we had no choice. I had to move in. My my wife had to move in with me. And my mom lived in the same house. And I didn't realize what kind of tension that was going to cause and friction. I didn't realize, you know, the conversations. You know, my mom looked at situations one way. My wife looked at it another way. It was it was difficult. I was put in the middle of all that. But this is that's a story for another time. I'm going to probably talk about that in another podcast. I don't want to put my life out there all all in one. But, you know, it was a blessing and a curse because with having my mom there, she could watch the baby and my wife and I could work bringing money to buy baby formula to 
buy pampers because you can't believe how many pampers you just go through. You don't believe that you're waking up three in the, in the night, go to Walgreens because you got to get a uh, Tylenol or baby Motrin. You know, it's just a lot when it comes to the formulas and you're just buying. You're constantly shopping. You're constantly buying stuff. And I always remember uh, that speech by Al Pacino in Any Given Sunday, that famous inch-by-inch speech. And I want to play that. I made every wrong choice a middle-aged man can make. I, uh, I pissed away all my money, believe it or not. I chased off anyone who's ever loved me. And lately, I can't even stand the face I see in America. You know, when you get old in life, things get taken from you. I mean, that's, that's, that's part of life. But you only learn that when you start losing stuff. You find out life's this game of inches. So is football. Because in either game, Life or football, the margin for error is so small. I mean, one half a step too late or too early, and you don't quite make it. One half second too slow, too fast, you don't quite catch it. The inches we need are everywhere around us. They're in every break of the game, every minute, every second. On this team, we fight for that itch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that itch. We claw with our fingernails for that itch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. And anybody that's listening to this podcast who took the time to listen to me talk about a little bit about my life in my 20s, I want you to know you're not alone. If you ever need to talk to me, you could always reach out to me on my website. You could find my information in the description of this podcast. I have my information. Always feel that you could contact me because I want to help in whatever little way I can. I don't have all the answers, but you're not alone. Together, we could fight for those inches that we could. We can make sure that we remove all the obstacles that we could, in essence, take care of one another because I'm here to help you. I want to help you. I want to help you achieve your goals and your dreams. There's nothing in it for me. I told you already in the previous podcast, this is what I'm trying to do to give back. It's not about money. It's not about success. Of course, I want this podcast to succeed. Of course, I want UES to succeed. But if I could help you, I want that because it will make me feel like I'm doing something right in this world. That I'm not a failure, that I want to give back. That's what I want to do. And I'm here to help you in whatever way I can, whatever's in my reach. I want to help you find your way. So if you're depressed, if you're mourning, if you need somebody to talk to, please do not hesitate to contact me. I'm here. 
I want to transition to a new segment in which I give a little bit of time to my community partners. Each week, I will talk a little bit about uh, who I'm working with and potentially somebody you could connect with. This week, I want to talk about Dynamic Martial Arts Academy. Dynamic Martial Arts Academy is ran by Sensei Ren Whiskey. He is a great sensei, a great person in which if you you know want your children to learn martial arts, to learn soft skills when it comes to leadership, to be motivated and to be, have confidence, it's a program that you want to definitely look into because uh, when it comes to someone who has dedicated his life to martial arts, who has dedicated his life to the community and giving back and making sure children are doing well in school, uh, making sure that they're doing their homework and listening to their parents. It goes beyond uh, martial arts. It's becoming how are you going to have integrity and honor? How are you going to be able to follow instructions and have a way of which you're going to be respected when you go into the world? Sensei Ren Whiskey teaches you that failure is only practice. It is something that should not defeat you. You should not think twice about it, that you should work hard, you know, try to figure out what is the best solution. In life, people don't want to know what your problems are. They want to know what the problem is, and they want you to give them solutions. They want you to show that you're thinking critically. And Sensei Ren Whiskey makes sure that children are thinking critically, that they're thinking rationally, that they're just thinking. It's a safe, you know, environment. You know, Sensei Ren Whiskey, he makes sure the kids are having fun. He would have movie nights in which not only is a movie playing, but he'll break out the PS4, the Xbox. He'll have a party atmosphere. Kids just love it. And it just, it's just a good vibe. I mean, now we're in a pandemic, so you can't do any of that. It's just a great atmosphere in which, you know, the tuition that you pay, you don't even blink because you know you're getting your money's worth. So definitely check out Dynamic Martial Arts Academy. I'm going to post the information in my uh, description in this blog, but you could also find uh, more information about Dynamic Martial Arts Academy on my website, UESNYS.com. To go back to when it comes to never giving up, when life is throwing you all kind of obstacles, you just feel like you just can't break through. I want to share what I've learned from reading Admiral William McRaven about his life. Uh, He's a retired U.S. Navy four-star admiral who last served as a Ninth Commander of the United States Special Operation Command. And he has 10 tips. This is like, you know, when I, when I started to read about this, I was like, this just encapsulate what I'm trying to do with this particular podcast. Start the day off with a task completed. Make your bed. If you can make your bed, that is just one small task that you have started the day off completed. And making your bed is just going to snowball into other small little tasks that you could complete. It's just 
if you could do, if you can't do the small things, if you can't make your bet, how can you do the bigger assignments? How could you execute that? So start the day by making your bet and then find somebody that's going to help you get through life. Who's going to be that mentor? Who got your back? Who's going to, who's going to throw you a lifeline when you need it? Who's going to tell you there's an opportunity coming up? You need this social capital. You need people that's going to look out for you in the best of times and in the worst of times. And whoever's looking out for you in the worst of times, those are the people that you should keep close. And ignore the naysayers, the people, the haters that tell you that you can't do it. That you're never going to be anything in life. Always say derogatory things to you. Ignore them. They don't matter. The people that matter are the ones that are looking out for your best interests. Their opinion matters most. People that are positive. That's who you want to be around. If you want to fly with eagles, you got to stop hanging out with turkeys. Respect everybody. No matter who they are in life. Rich and poor. No matter what you think. We're all equal. You all bleed the same blood. Respect everybody. And realize the life is not fair. You got to move forward. You got to have that grit and perseverance. You got to understand that it's not always going to be roses. You got to work hard. You got to put in that work. I'm going to say that again. You got to work hard. You got to put in that work. Nobody's going to give you anything if you're not putting in the work. Don't be afraid to fail often. Failure is practice. The master has failed more times than the beginner has even tried. To become a master, do not be afraid of failure. Take risk. Take calculated risk. Weigh the pros and cons. Did you do a SWOT analysis? Did you look at the strengths? the weaknesses, the opportunities, the threats. And did you decide this is a risk I'm going to take? The Trivium Dad podcast is a risk. The Upward Enrichment Service is a risk. But that's a risk I'm willing to take. What are you willing to do to make it? Because if you play conservative, you're never going to go anywhere. You can't break over the, the door. Stop thinking small. Think big. That you're going to be a stockbroker on Wall Street. That you're going to you're going to be a CEO of a company one day. Because if you don't think big, how are you ever going to get there? Reach for the stars. And if you miss it, guess what? You didn't miss it by much. And you're still going to be a winner. Face down those bullies. I saw uh, Admiral Williams McRae's uh, YouTube video. You should definitely check it out. Because I'm butchering his points. But he talks about uh, Navy SEAL training. And how uh, you have to go swim with the sharks in the night. And if there's sharks in the water, you don't run away from the sharks. You summon up all your strength and you punch them in the snout. In life, there's going to be bullies. You're going to have bosses that are bullies. You're going to have people all around you that could be bullies. The one thing I realized, I was always an introvert. I was always trying to make peace. But when I started to step up to the bullies... And I started to get in their face. I just realized how much of a punk these people were. So you stand up to them. Stand up for yourself. Find your voice. And when times are the toughest, don't quit. Don't ever quit. That's when you got to summon up 
everything that you got, you got to dig deep and you got to decide that you're going to still keep going. And when somebody's down and they're out, help them, help your fellow man or woman. Don't just look the other way. If you see somebody that needs help, help them. Because life, if you believe in karma, when it comes your time for help, somebody's going to be there for you. Never give up. Most important of all, don't ever give up. Don't quit. There's always a way if you got the will. In life, do not always take. If you reach to the top, bring the elevator back down to the next person. Give to the less fortunate. Volunteer your time and energy for societal good. Do not be all about yourself, but realize you can make a difference in your community. Follow us on social media, UESNYS. Check out the website, UESNYS.com. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Thank you for listening.